You're a podcast. That was that, okay. that was your cue to go. You're a podcast. Sorry, I, I wasn't sure if you were gonna go with that or if you were gonna go with the uh, like podcast. What you listen to? That's what I was. Something I was like that. I was torn between the two, and I decided to go the road less traveled. I, and I respect it. Yeah, I respect it. You're a real Robert Frost. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Of course. You know me. You know me and Bobby Frost. You, you guys are very tight. Yeah, yeah, like this. You're like fire and ice. <laughs> You're like. Good night, everybody. Uh, stopping was... in the woods on a snowy evening. Oh my gosh, this was great. Welcome in everybody to another episode of Totem Talks. If I'm not mistaken, and I could be, this is season are. six, episode seven. But not now. That's and right. we are rolling through this season. We're having a wonderful time. Oh, yeah. Got another fun one today. Uh, one where we went over some one-hit wonders. We did. Uh, we compared Although them. one of them is questionable. Eh, come on. I mean, technically, they're both questionable, really. I guess. I mean, one, <laughs> I mean by one the is definition. more questionable than the other. Right. By definition, though, they're both questionable. Mm-hmm. But what wasn't questionable is the friends we made along the way. That's true. And here they are. This is Nick. I'm Pat. We're the friends, and this is Totem Talks. And if you have enjoyed listening to Totem Talks, let us know. Comment somewhere. I don't know where. Comment anywhere. 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 Just (laughs) on a totally unrelated video. Of course. Anywhere you find the internet, just like tag us somewhere and just be like, hey, I like your podcast. Mm -hmm. And that's fine with us. Uh, You could also subscribe anywhere you're able to subscribe to our podcast or, again, any podcast. That's true. Just subscribe. Uh, or if you would like to leave a review, that one may be more specific to our podcast. I don't think we will see reviews for our podcast true. on another podcast. That's true. But hey, maybe. I don't know. I don't <laughs> well, know anything. There's only one way to yeah. find out. That's true. Uh, regardless of all of those things, your continued support is greatly appreciated and the reason we do what we do. That's right. Other than the fact that we like listening to music and talking we do. about it. I mean, that's that's big, too. That's that's also pretty pretty big. Yeah. Uh, speaking of talking about music, Nicholas, right. who are we covering were, today? Well, I'm glad you asked. We are actually starting out with the Pure Prairie League, and we are following that up with Looking Glass. Good, good. Looking Glass. Yes. I listened to the wrong band. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. I guess let's just get into Pure Prairie League. Let's do it. You know it would be good, though. Sure. Uh, if I had any of the information up for Pure Prairie Ye League. bozo. Before we start. Well, I'll help you out because Pure Prairie League is an American country rock band uh, with an original lineup of singer and guitarist Craig Fuller, drummer Tom McGraw, guitarist and drummer Jim Coughlin, and steel guitarist John David Call. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they are from Waverly, Ohio. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You actually said it wrong. Uh, Waverly, Ohio? No, it's there from Waverly. Waverly, Ohio. Oh, I'm sorry. You gotta, you gotta really take the Waverly, Ohio. Perfect. And their years active were 1970 to 1988. Then again from 1998 to 2002, and then again from 2004 to the present. Yes. Hanging I, out, making music. Yes. And we covered three albums, and those three albums were the eponymous debut, Pure Prairie League. Which came out in 1972. Then we followed that up with Bustin' Out, which came out in 
stop me if you heard this before, 1972. And then we wrapped things up with Something in the Night, which came out, stop me if you heard this before, 1981. <laughs> yes, and uh, right. yeah, Nick, these are, these are your... They are your people. Uh, so so I'll talk a little start. bit about it first. So this album, first, I don't know what your experience was, but I had to find this album on YouTube. Correct. Uh, it was not okay. It was not available anywhere else. Uh, and I kind of get it. It's different from the sound that you get just later that year, but it's also good. Um, I think every song on this record was was generally enjoyable. I think John David Paul on the pedal steel is is probably the highlight of the group. But everybody does a good job all these songs are are very solidly done i like the originals i like the covers um it was all just like a very solid to good um as far as i'm concerned without necessarily a standout song but i but i liked everything what i found most interesting was when i first youtubed it and i don't know if you also read this but i i like to when we find kind of a more obscure album or an album that's not um findable on more common music listening platforms yeah to go through the comments a little bit love it people are saying and the very first comment on the very first song declared that this album was the greatest album ever recorded (laughs) the last 50 years of music jeez don't you love when people just come out with those like crazy inflammatory statements Uh, it's insane and like I liked this record. It's a good country rock record. I thought the songs were good. I thought the performances were good. The band is likable. This was not the best record of the last 50 years. No, that, of course, is Lifetime Left to Go by Uh, Motown. Right, exactly. (laughs) That's the best one. Um, But I just thought that was just so absurd. And I thought of that the whole time I was listening to the rest of the record. And I'm like, yeah, this is nice. But not that. It's not that. Right. <laughs> Immediately puts yeah. it. I mean, I granted, it's not the same, but it reminds me a lot of when somebody called Rat, like, the Beatles of the 80s. Oh, yeah, exactly. They were like, they were like, Come they on, were yeah. as big as the Beatles. It's like, no, no, hold on. No, they weren't. Hold on. And, uh. Yeah. Say anything else you want to say about this. I'm, I'm, listen, I don't have much more to add. It was, it was fine. Right. Like it was pleasant. I enjoyed listening to it. Exactly. I have nothing to complain about. Right. But at the same time, I'm going to be honest. Nothing really stood out to me that much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I had to say, it was it was a little weird because I felt at times, which is this is a high compliment. Like there was like sections and small segments where I was like, oh, that reminds me of Eagles. Like, oh yeah. What? You just preempted me a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, we can talk okay. about. It. I mean, we could discuss. Yeah, things let's later. talk about it. So, I just heard a little bit of harmony that was like, oh, a little, a little invocative of Eagles. Yeah, and, at times. And you know, I was going to save it because it's a little bit on the first album. It really happens on the second album. It does. But it here's more. the thing. Here's the funny and interesting thing about this that I wanted okay. to say, and this is why I saved that comment for the second album. Their first album came out before Eagles ever released a record. However, Ooh. what happened between the two Pure Prairie League albums of 1972 was that Eagles released Eagles, their eponymous debut. <laughs> and I was thinking immediately in the second half, I'm like, wow, they really heard Eagles, didn't they? They listened to that a lot. <laughs> it, it really influenced yeah. them between like, you know, early or late winter and fall, but when they released the albums. 
but that's 100% what happened. Eagles came out in June, so right. Okay, so yeah, right around there. Came out in October. Okay, and that makes a lot of sense why there was a like not a drastic difference because it's the same year, but for it being the same year, a pretty significant difference in these two albums. Yes. Which I guess I'll take us into busting out, please. And I mean, the first comment was we already talked about it. This album was very reminiscent of Eagles. Mm-hmm. I heard a lot of the harmony used. I heard a lot of like even the the style of ooze and right. the harmonies that they used to just create a vocal chord. I was about to say the, the chord building yep. in the vocals mm-hmm. was, which I guess honestly, because you get their big hit here, Amy, and that is very reminiscent of Eagles, like that song itself. Totally. So it does make sense that the rest of the album follows suit. Obviously. Because of that, if you remember, if you're a listener who remembers us talk about Eagles, I love this album. I li- I really enjoyed listening to it. I enjoy that style. It, I'm not going to say it felt like we were getting an Eagles album. It didn't. No. But it definitely was like it It brought back those feelings of why I like listening to songs like that, to music sure. like that. Uh, what I did find interesting was they have a song, track number five, called Falling In and Out of Love. And then they have Amy. And it was just like, it's very, those songs are very similar. They have pretty much the same, the falling in and out of love, which is in both of them. Right. Uh, which I just thought was interesting. I, yeah, I feel like I there's been a few times this season together. in particular where we have had artists have di- like multiple songs that call back. Sure. So we had it with uh, John Denver. We had it with uh, Bill Haley and his comments. And now we've had it again with Pure Prairie League. Sure. So just interesting little fact. Yeah, and I feel like that cover, like my main comments were about the Eagles sound, about the prelude to Amy, and about Amy itself. Although I really enjoyed the whole record. I, the one thing I will, I do want to say about Amy in particular, uh, and I think it's definitely, I think it definitely stands out still as the best song on the record. Like there was a reason why that was the hit. Yeah, the guitar playing on it is really excellent. Like it's a yeah. great acoustic guitar solo. Um, and you know you don't always get to. You, we didn't cover that necessarily. Uh, and but that was really cool. Oh, and the string arrangements—I almost forgot. The string arrangements on this record were done by Mick Ronson, also was, an excellent guitarist, but better known for playing with David Bowie. I was just about to say that. Yeah, uh, that Mick Ronson was on this. Yeah, love that guy. So let's move on to something in the night. Sure, sure. And for those for those of you playing along at home, what you might notice is that the Pure Prairie League is literally. An entirely different group of people by this time. <laughs> that is it's correct. None of the musicians from the first record are on this one. Everyone is completely different. It a really calls. Thing. It really calls into question, like the the old uh, the old theory, the old like philosophy question of like if you have a ship, it's the ship. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and you repair or if you slowly replace every board with another piece, is it the same ship? Like, yeah. is this the same band? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but I'll say this. I think they've still continued to take on the Eagles formula for success as their, their foundation. Like, it's country rock. It's uh, But they also have evolved into the early 80s in the same way that the Eagles evolved. So whereas, like, the last Pure Prairie League album is maybe more akin to Eagles or Desperado, this album is way more akin to something like The Long Run. Uh, you know, like 1980 Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Uh, and I think that comes with a, a, wide, a wide variety of feels and styles for like this country pop rock sound. Um, 
And I don't, I don't th- know that I necessarily liked it as much as I liked the last album for my personal taste. But listening to each individual track, I was really struck with this notion like, oh, wow, that could have been a hit. Every song yeah. on this album to me had like that it factor. It was catchy. There were interesting moments, uh, regardless of, of the genres that they were trying to incorporate into their country rock to make the songs different. Every song to me was like, oh, this could have been a hit. Like, I am shocked that this group did not have a hit with one of these songs because they all sounded super friendly to radio, especially around the time, like 1981. If if we were looking back on Pure Prairie League as a multi-platinum selling artist throughout the 80s because of the success they had with this record, it would have made sense to me upon listening to this record. Sure. Uh, well, I'll tell you, I was also surprised that this album didn't have a hit on it. Thoroughly enjoyed it and was absolutely blown away. So I started listening to it and I was like, that's a different lead singer. Yeah. And I recognized the voice. And I was like, what's happening here? So it's Vince Gill. Yeah. Who is like a extremely famous country singer. And is currently a member of Eagles. Of Eagles. (laughs) So like, I couldn't believe that it was Vince Gill. Oh, you didn't know that he was. In I Pure didn't know that he was oh, in Pure okay. Prairie. Yeah, like, I never like knew that he start. replaced. Yeah, so I was like blown away. I was like, "That's the Vince Gill." Yeah. So that was immediately a question for me. Obviously, like, yeah, he got his start in as like the alternate lineup of Pure Prairie League later on in right. Pure Prairie League's lifetime. But writing good songs. But writing good songs already, and then of course went solo and skyrocketed to fame, winning. Multiple Grammys, the Country Music Artist Awards, like all that crazy stuff. Yeah. So, you know, good for Vince. Absolutely. Way to do it. And it's a good album. I really enjoyed Mm -hmm. it. Three, like, solid showings. 100%. For Pure Prairie League, even though you have a different lineup. Yeah. And here is what I'll tell you. There are things to be said about this group. So Unique, we actually already touched upon. Because there was no way around it. And I'm trying to think, what makes this group different from any other group? And it's the fact that they've been together for so many years, but don't have any members that have always been with the band. Yeah. The fact that this band has turned over completely to the point where so many different people have been in and out, and no one, they're like, there's no ownership of this band. There's no person who you really associate. Like, even bands that are notoriously, like, changeover heavy like you think of deep purple like ian pace is kind of that rock sure that that makes the band what it is but i I just found that really interesting now for their six degrees i have a couple after their big success with amy on the following record they had a couple of pretty big uh musicians join them a couple of a couple of excellent guitarists one of them being don felder from eagles and the other being chet atkins who are both on that record but also Instead, what I'm going with, I'm not going to go with that. That wasn't six degrees. Uh, they okay. played, they had a, a 50 year anniversary show, like the, the big celebration. Yeah. And they co headlined that with another band that was also having their big 50 year anniversary show, which was the Atlanta Rhythm Section. Hey. And that would have been that. a pretty cool show to go to, I think. That would have uh, been a really yeah. cool show to go to. Yeah. They, they're both very good, very good artists. And so let's move on to the highlight of their career, which was, I, I guess, I don't know. Man, that's tough. Um, but for me, I think the fact that they managed, despite mostly being known for Amy, although they had another song that charted higher in the 80s, even though it like has been less 
I guess, remembered or it hasn't really like stuck with culture as much as Amy has. Yeah. Um, they had three straight top 40 records, which I think for any artist is, is an achievement. So I'm going to call that the highlight, having putting together three straight top 40 albums. Their low sure. light, however, may shed some light on why this group has always been full of different members. Uh, and it actually takes place directly after their second record. And you may remember that Patrick told us that the first two records were both recorded within the same year. But what happened immediately after was that Craig Fuller was forced to go to prison for six months for draft evasion in Kentucky. Um, so in February of 1973, he ended up in prison for six months. And basically, RCA, who was their record label at the time, was like, okay, well, so much for whatever momentum we were going to get out of this group, and they just dropped them. So, th- I mean, the fact that they were able to stay on the top 40 after that, I think is is fairly impressive, considering they lost a key piece and their record label. But it is what it is. I mean, poor poor Craig Fuller. All he did was not go to Vietnam. I also would not have gone to Vietnam, so I don't blame him. I, I have sympathy for him in this case. Yeah. Um, and then last but not least, the meanest slash nicest thing. I found the nicest thing. I, don't, I didn't see anything that was necessarily bad uh, or worrisome about this group. But uh, one thing that they have continually supported and played at is a thing called Bergstock, which is a small music festival in Pittsburgh uh, that is a benefit festival uh, to benefit homeless veterans. So good for them for being a part of that. Yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely. And that is all I have to say about the Pure Prairie League. Well, if that's all you have to say, sir, let's move on to Looking Glass. Looking Glass is an American pop rock group of the early 1970s that was part of the Jersey Shore sound, not to be confused with the show Jersey Shore, to be clear. (laughs) Is that not the sound? That's a different sound. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Uh, oh, I don't remember his name. The DJ one. Mike. I never watched it. I'm sure know. that comes as a surprise to no one. Yeah, I didn't watch it either, but it's he's the one that had the spiked hair. I thought but they I all feel like I, The name Mike is, is in my I know head. that there was a Snooky. Yes, there was a Snooky. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know his name, but what I can tell you is Looking Glass, the band, was active from 1969 to 1974. And then I guess they got bored and decided to come back in 2003 to the present day. You know, mm-hmm. five years to start with, and then they released their only two albums. And then just got back together for 20 years. Go figure. But hey, whatever. Uh, and we did listen to the entire discography of Looking Glass, uh, which started with another eponymous debut, so two for two on this episode. I'm glad to hear it. So Looking Glass came out in, stop me if you've heard this before. 1972, and we followed that up with Subway Serenade from 1973, and I will go first. Uh, So, Looking Glass, there's there's not much to say other than it has their big song. Brandy, you're a fine girl. It's a bop. It's such a bop. It's a great song. But what I will tell you is I thought eight out of eight songs on this album were good. I really enjoyed listening to it. Uh, I think there's a couple things that you could hear that I really enjoyed. So it looks like the writers, you kind of alternate writing on the songs yeah. between Elliot Lurie, who's the singer, and, uh, oh my gosh, Pete Sweevil. Right. 
I mean, that's quite a way to spell that, so I might be saying that wrong, but I'm going to go with Pete or Piet Swingle. I don't think it's a PA, maybe. Fair enough. I don't know. It could be. Uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Swivel. Yes. I... Uh, but also contributed vocals. As yes, did Larry he Hamm. did contribute them. To what, well, they, that's another thing that I like about this group: multiple harmonic singers. You have that one voice, Elliot Lurie, who has that like iconic, yeah. like that's that's that guy. Right. And then you have the harmonies, the dude, and it's, and they it's sing good stuff. lead. I mean, the other guys sing lead on other songs, and they're good too. Yes, and they have distinctive sounds, mm-hmm. which I think really like pleases the ear. There was a couple things that I found interesting. One was how kind of not panned, but just average people thought this was. Mm. I mean, Chris Gow's record God gives it a C minus. All music has three out of five stars. And it's like, I didn't hear that. I thought for like a pop rock, soft rock album with that like Jersey Shore sound, it was good. It was solid. Yeah, but it was solid. It was good harmony. It was good playing, catchy tunes. I thought they had things that made you feel good, which is kind of all you're looking for in like an album like this. I mean, you can't really compare it to 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 like a dark side or to like an album where you're like you need to in depthly listen to every single yeah. note and tune and harmonic. It's an album that makes you feel good. It's beach music almost. Mm-hmm. Beach music with killer harmonies. Yeah, uh, this was really good. Um, yeah. I really liked it. I, I was a little surprised by a couple things. One, be, this finding out about the whole Jersey Shore sound, because while there were definitely a variety of different um, genres mixed into this record, the one band that they most reminded me of was early Grateful Dead. Okay. And I heard more Dead in their sound, honestly, um, than anything, especially the song Catherine Street. Like the song Catherine Street, Catherine, it sound even the title is like, that sounds like a Grateful Dead song. That's yeah. definitely a Grateful Dead song. Um but I think there there was a good incorporation, just like Pure Perry League, of some country sounds into their rock, some blues sounds, and even on on the song "Don't It Make You Feel Good," there was some soul. And Tasha Thomas, the the backing vocalist that they brought in to sing on that song, was killer on that track. She was great, absolutely. Um, and then the other thing that really surprised me was as huge of a hit as Brandy is, the album as a whole never charted above one thirteen. Like, this is a really good record with a ginormous song on it. How did it never get above 113? Like, I can't, I, I just don't understand that, genuinely. Yeah, I I was looking into potential reasons. I couldn't really find anything. I mean, it just might have been a potential lack of maybe marketing? Satur- or saturation. Or saturation. Really good albums yeah. at the time. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we just talked about two in the same year Yeah, sure. on this podcast. So, uh, you're right. Potential. Well, Subway Serenade came out the next year, which was also a year saturated with great music. True. But here's the thing. This album was just as good. Like, there was no drop in quality. The All 18 songs that Looking Glass recorded in their career are really good songs. Yeah. And I'm frustrated that <laughs> they, they, they didn't keep trying. Like, I guess they were frustrated. They were like, look, like, we hear this product. We know that what we're putting out is good music. It's well-written. It's well-performed. And if we're just not getting anywhere, we're just not getting anywhere. Uh, I wish they would have tried one more time, though. I really wish they would have tried one more time. Uh, And speaking of doing things for a third time, I felt like uh, the comp I heard most on this record, uh, as opposed to I heard some dead on the first record, I hear a lot of Three Dog Night in this record. 
Very, okay. especially with the multiple lead vocalists. Yeah, no, I definitely can hear that now that you said it. Like I didn't, I didn't clock that when I first was listening to it, but now that you like brought that to my attention, I I can I can hear that similarity. Yeah. Listen, I don't <laughs> have I don't have many more things to say other than right. you. I mean, it's good stuff. It's solid. These are the types of things that I like about this podcast is we get to take a deeper dive into a, like a one hit wonder like this. Mm-hmm. Other uh, other than this podcast, I don't know that I would have ever had a reason to listen to a song other than Brandy. Yeah. 100%. And at this point, I mean realistically, 90% of the time I listen to Brandy's when we're doing it. Yeah, right. So I, I haven't even listened to Looking Glass's version mm-hmm. other than this week in yeah. quite some time. So I am happy that we got the chance to listen to them and Pure Prairie League and caught, uh, you know, good two bands. really good artists yeah. who maybe yeah. just didn't catch on like they should yeah. have. 100%. It happens. I mean, truly, the hardest thing to realize in the music industry is it's just as much about timing and luck as it is talent. I was going to say, yeah, talent, is, talent doesn't do uh, nearly as much for you as a lot of other things will. There's you can be so really good much and, talent that just never gets yeah. witnessed or it gets witnessed so much later on. Right. Like, and then it's like, what do you mean? Like, and they've been working for 10 years before they caught on. It's yep. You see things like that all the time. And uh, I'm glad we got to, to take that little bit of a deeper dive. I agree. So here's the thing. I have some. Sure. But sure, I sure. don't have much. I understand. This band was together for five years in the 70s. They don't have really anything about their. Uh, they're 20 years since 2003. They haven't released anything. It seems like they might just be one of those bands that tours their old stuff. Yeah, I think so. As a living, which is fine. Yeah. Totally respect the grind. I'm just saying, like, it doesn't give me much to, to mm-hmm. say. I mean, I think in terms of, like, uniqueness, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to say. It could just be the, the, the very short time they were together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be... The the idea of Elliot Laurie being the one who left the band originally after the mm-hmm. second album, and now he's the one who reformed it in 2003 with all different musicians. Okay. So, like, how much of that really is Looking Glass? Right. Is just the lead singer coming back? Called, like, like, for instance, if I left Low Totem today, mm-hmm. and then 40 years from now went... I'm reforming Low Totem with completely new singers or completely right. new musicians. Is it? I, yeah, I don't know. Like that's <laughs> the know. so like you know. Well, I then you could have a whole yes situation where I also have a band that <laughs> yeah. I call it Low Totem. Um, Perfect. Is, yeah. All four of us split up. All four of us make new Low Totems, yes. and we just tour in random places. Uh, in terms of I'm highlights and lowlights, I think the highlight is obviously Brandy. Uh, it, it literally was the number one hit single for the week of August 26, 1972. Yeah. That's the highlight of this band. It was their it was their only million record seller. It went gold. That everybody loves. Yeah, it's a great song. Like, I'm just saying that's the highlight. I think the low light would probably be when Laurie left the band. He left to pursue a solo career. He got replaced by Michael Lee Smith. But immediately, almost that's that same year, they changed their name. They changed their name a few times. So they went they went from uh, Looking Glass to Fallen Angels, and then from Fallen Angels they went to Stars with a Z, just like the the hmm. TV network. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, and Stars did end up releasing a few more albums. Uh, so they released five albums. So okay. 
part of Looking Glass lived on. And it's funny that I mean, it literally says like this was a group that was formed from the ashes of looking of uh, early seventies pop band Looking Glass. Yeah, and it was. Yeah, there you, go. you know what's what else is interesting about Elliot Lurie? Yeah. Do you know in the eighties he went on to become the head of mu- the music department at Twentieth Century Fox, like film <laughs> studios? Interesting. Because the solo career didn't go anywhere. No. And so that's where he ended up going. Yeah. And he uh, later was like a music supervisor on a bunch of other films, like A Night which at the Roxbury, I Spy, Spanglish. Which brings us to our Six Degrees of Totem Talks. Oh, oh okay. Uh, ironically, I did not tell you that beforehand. I'm, I'm glad that worked yeah, out. Oh, okay, cool. So... It was a little tough. I mean, I could have looked for one of our artists who covered Brandy as a popular song. I'm sure they, that exists. But that felt a little easy. Sure, sure. So I was like, where am I going to find something? I'm curious. So in 1990, or no, I'm sorry, 1985, okay. there was a, a film starring John Travolta and Jamie Lee Curtis called Perfect. And... Elliot Lurie supervised the soundtrack of this, produced, right, right, helped right. produce the soundtrack. And on this soundtrack were artists such as Jermaine Jackson of the Jackson Five, sure. Whitney Houston and Jermaine Jackson uh, as a duet, and Wham. I've heard of them too. So there you go. There you go. There's our six degrees. Sounds like the kind of movie that I wouldn't watch for the soundtrack. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> also, also, I believe looks like the kind of movie we wouldn't watch for the movie. At all. Yeah. Uh, just just based on the cover of it. Uh, yeah. It's a, oh, it is a romantic drama. It's not a comedy. Then no thank you. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it, I, This is not a movie review podcast. It is not. But Nor it have we seen the film. If we got the, the correct, you know, feedback. That's true. I would, Nick, I would absolutely review films in this podcast or an alternate podcast. I'm I am game. in. I'm in too. So if you yeah. listeners would like to hear Nick and I's opinion on film instead of just music, let us know. It'd be it'd can, be interesting here's, to uh, here's what I'm gonna say. Yeah. If we do that, can we like start from the premise that that's gonna be explicit? Like yeah. I wanna just talk freely about film. I mean, I think we've transitioned. I talk fairly this... freely and you're right. And we we've started getting a little looser. Yeah. But I think I might be a little bit more verbose. Uh, and I can get that. I, I'm also fine with that. <laughs> I think I legitimately think I would have more consistently strong opinions. Like mm-hmm. I have strong opinions on this podcast at times, yeah, especially I when I don't like something. Right. But I think I would be more consistent uh, in having like stronger opinions. Interesting. Which could be fun. Yeah, I feel I feel a little bit the opposite, but I also have like over the last few years also gotten very into film. So I we could see, you know. Yeah. And I think that would be a fun mix of like we could all we could do some like old school serious stuff. We yeah. could do some like dumb comedies. We could do a mix. I would love it. So hey, if that's something you want, let us know. Absolutely. But I honestly I don't right. have much more. Yeah, I had the highlight, I had the low light, I had guys. the six degrees. That's yeah. pretty much what it is. All right. So Here. should we give each of them a point? Or do we give Pure Prayer League an extra something because they had the other song? Well, okay, um, so hold on now. Uh, I want to say they did have the other song. Uh, it was a number 10 hit. Let Me Love You Tonight was a top 10 hit. Right. And so Jimmy Loves Marianne was the other quote unquote hit. Yeah. It was for Looking Glass. 33. Yeah. It it was a it was a popular song and I heard why, but and it definitely wasn't as popular. Right. So, I mean, we could 
we could consider. I honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. One point two and one point one. I think that's high. Okay, one point one and one. Then I think like point eight and one is plenty. I think like oh, looking... you are giving them under the one for the one hit wonder. <sighs> it's tough, man. I they only released two albums. One. I know, but like I know where I know the threshold is one is for really one hit popular wonder. still. <sighs> I will leave it to you. I will yeah, trust I you on this. I think they should. I think they should. Gotta get a, especially because I mean Brandy was always popular, but like even my high schooler students know it because it was in like Guardians, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy two, I think. Okay, you know, like I'm okay giving them a one and then giving looking glass or even pure prairie like a one one two one one. That's All fine. Right. Now breadth of work, I think we're definitely going to see a, a split here. So for pure prairie league, we are looking at one two three four five six seven eight nine ten albums that they released. Uh, which starts them at a five and a half. I think that the sales maybe nerfed them a little bit. I mean, I'm sure yeah. Amy sold, um, but not certified, which is actually kind of shocking to me that it, that didn't certify. Um, it is interesting. I don't know how much lower you want to take them for that. I mean, I think you're looking at eight albums, uh, which you said is a 5.8. It's five and a half. Five albums. and a half. Okay. I'd be fine putting them a little bit lower, maybe like a 5.3. Sure. And we start from right. there. We can add or subtract as needed. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in my normal place. I'm going to give them a 0. 0.24. A 0. 0.24, huh? Mm-hmm. <sighs> How do I feel? I mean, listen, I like them. Mm-hmm. I like the music. I liked all three albums. I'm sure I would like the other five. Right. Given, given what I know about them. Do I feel the difference is a five seven or a five eight here? What would you like their final score to be based on yeah. that? How does that feel? I, you know what? I think honestly, I think a five seven fits better. And okay. honestly, like I liked it, but if Good. I'd be lying if I said it didn't feel a little derivative. Sure, I, that's fine. I agree. Uh, Looking Glass is going to start with a one point six for having two records. Yeah, they have. A song that sold a million copies in Brandy. I think that helps at least a little. Maybe they go down 0.1 because they their second album never charted at all. Their first album was 113. No certifications other than the single. Yeah, so we start them at a one one and a half. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? I like the two albums a lot. And I'm going to I'm gonna give them 0.2. I'm going to give them 0.2. I'm going to take them up to 1.7. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you, Nick, mm-hmm. I... I really enjoyed Pure Prairie League. Uh, I like the Eagle sound, mm-hmm. but I Looking Glass was a little better, right? Looking Glass was better. Yeah, and I I'm gonna give them point three. Uh, wow. Okay, I, re- I was giving like, them a point two mostly because the difference was because there were only two albums. Right. I don't know if that'll affect you at all, but I was like, this is a band that might get a point three to Pure Prairie League's point two if they had released like five or six records. And sure, I gave them but the point I two because. I'm just letting you know the reason why I only gave them a right. point two, whether that affects you or not. So, like for that, for our specific mm-hmm. positive or minus the point five, I almost exclusively go by how I felt listening to it. Sure. I don't account for anything. Like I feel like that's the one part of our judgment of this where I'm just basing it on how I felt listening to the music. Mm-hmm. And for that, like it was good. I enjoyed every song. Yeah. I actively wanted more songs. Yep. Like I'm probably like I'm probably gonna go listen to stars to see if it's similar. Sure, yeah. Like I wanna see I, how much of that looking glass sound carries over 
to see if I can have more of that feeling and that sound. It was it was really I dig it. good to listen to. Mm-hmm. So point three, I'll give it to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, instrumental talent. Look, I think both groups are going to do solidly here. I think there were there was really not a single thing to complain about from either one of these groups. Vocals were always very good. The instrumentals were always, you know, right there in the pocket, nailing everything they needed to nail. They're groups that are probably going to score in the five to low five ranges um, yeah. for me. That's fair. I I mean I can't I can't knock yet. I think they had they had like the sum of their parts made them sound really good, mm-hmm. especially when you look at like the harmonies and like the vocal building and the chords that they used. Yeah, they both but were very good with it. They both were very good with it and very strong. Mm-hmm. And I think the way they did that was each singer at, was a little bit above average, but not much. Mm-hmm. And all the instruments kind of had moments, but mostly stayed right. out of the way of that. Yeah. And I think that's I think like a low five is perfect. How about a f- I would give a five three to both of these bands, and I'm more than okay with that. All right, now we're definitely going to see some differences here because of the amount of work. Sure, your Prairie League songwriting talent. Um, I think you've kind of hit the things that are negative about this already. It's a little derivative. A little I mean, derivative. we talked about how much it sounded like Eagles, especially after Eagles started releasing music. Yeah, it was it was like they realized they were similar and after like, their first album came out and they were like really well. Let's <laughs> lean into that. We already yeah. kind of sound like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But the albums also at the same time, all three records sounded different and every song was enjoyable. So sure. I don't want to really super penalize this group. No. Again, I could also be right around the middle and I would think that was fair. Honestly, I'm a little bit higher than that. I'm I think I think it's rarer than you think right now mm-hmm. that we like every song on every album we listen You're to. You're right. You're right. I'll like, that's a two. rare thing. Normally, even if we like the artist, there's three or four just straight misses for us. Yeah. I'd be five fine two. giving them like a five, almost a five, like five, four. Really? Like, I think that's a, right, a I'll give rarer them a three. Thing. I'll give them a three. That's five, fine. Three. That's fine with me. All right, Looking Glass, I mean, I feel very similarly, but we're starting from... But we're starting from way less albums. So I think the number's got to be in the ones just for consistency for our our system. I'd be okay with raising it 0.2 or 0.3 to like a 1.8 or 1.9. Let's give them the 1.9. I mean, again, this was was five albums of straight enjoyable listening, so I want to be generous with these groups. I agree. There's no reason to penalize them. Yeah. Um, It's just that they just have to kind of... (laughs) Yeah. Get hurt a little bit by only having two records released. Like, of course, it's just not gonna. Uh, poetic talent. I, I. It never took me in or out of any of the songs here for Pure Prairie League. It was just there. I don't think it was bad. I never heard anything where I was like, huh, huh. So I think I is. think our our job here, like the onus on us, they're one hit wonders. Obviously, we know we know objectively speaking, Pure Prairie League will probably score higher. Based on yes. the num- based on volume, of course, of course. But let's compare the two songs, and the, the similarities are pretty big. Mm-hmm. So they're both uh, kind of songs that repeat. They they have very catchy choruses. Yes. That's their catchiest part. And but Brandy, I think, is more interesting. Brandy lyrically. is more interesting. They're both about a girl, and they're both named after a girl. You're right. So there's some interesting stuff there. I also think it's interesting that specifically in the lyrics, they're about. A girl making a decision. 
Okay. Like, it's not just like a love song, yeah. like, I'm in love with this Which, girl. Which, by the way, can I say something really quickly about this? Because yeah. there was a time in listening to Looking Glass where I was like, are all of their songs going to be about a girl? Because their first <laughs> album starts out with the song Jenny Lynn, yeah. followed by Brandy, followed by Catherine Street. And at this point, I'm like, are you ever going to have a song that doesn't have a girl's name in it? And then they never did. It's true. It's album. true. But I, I do get your point. It is in the beginning. You're like, ah, all right, what are we doing? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just thought that there were some interesting similarities there, like both about a girl, both named after a girl, both about specifically a girl making a decision like the in Brandy, you're getting like a decision to, you know, love or leave this dude or getting getting kind of her heart broken by the mm-hmm. sailor who loves the sea and Amy, like the chorus is Amy, what you going to do? Right. I think, you know, I think I could stay with you for a for while. while, maybe like, longer if I do. Right. So like. It's basically like putting the decision on the girl there in both of those instances, which I thought was interesting. Uh, I would give the edge in terms of quality to Looking Glass. I agree. I think they write a little bit more interesting. I think the storytelling in Brandy, you have a distinct beginning, middle, and end of like the tale begins, like with our scene opens, then this is what happens, and then kind of like you have that scene in the third verse after the bridge of her leaving work mm-hmm. and like going home in the empty streets. Yep. That's all really interesting stuff. Uh however, of course there's only two albums. So they will probably lose the war here mm-hmm. in this section, but I think they won the won battle. Won the battle. I agree. And honestly it might be like a five and a one point seven. Yeah. And that would that's, be fine. That's unfortunately yes. what it's gonna probably be. And then I don't think there's X Factor here. I mean correct yeah, me if I'm I, wrong. I the only thing I was even like the only thing that struck launching me Vince Gill's was career. launching Vince Gill's career was but but I don't think so I don't I, don't I think Vince Gill would have been Vince Gill regardless uh, yeah yeah he probably would have been successful no matter what considering I never knew like I know Vince Gill yeah personally he's my buddy no I'm kidding yeah of but course. I know he Vince hangs Gill up all the time. yeah he's here right now actually what's up Vince <laughs> um and I had no idea he was in this group oh wow okay. So I, yeah. I mean, I had no clue. Sure. So I don't think there's any X factor. I think we're just, you know, you I it. think with our with our head to head matchups, we have had a lot of artists that have had X factor so far this season. You're right. You're and right. I think but not we these don't. two. Get, <laughs> yeah. get the hell out of here. Not right, a chance. I got final scores. And right. losing this week. Oh wait, what do I just announce the winner? I don't even remember. You might how as well works. just announce the winner. You're right. I forgot how it worked. I'm so used to three bands. Uh, but winning this week with a score of 22.4. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's the Pure Prairie League, yeah. as expected. Um, so 22.4, a fairly low winning score. And uh, coming in second place this week is Looking Glass with an 11.9. Again, it's one of those Very things where I think when you look at the scoreboard, you're going to see the artists that are around Looking Glass, and you're going to question. Yeah. You're going to question, like, ah, they must suck. And it's like, no. Like, listen no, to the good. episode. Uh, I think I think maybe one day, not not soon, but one day, maybe we look at the future and look, maybe like, have an episode or, like, a nonlinear somewhere of, like, artists who got a bad rap on the podcast. Sure. Just to remind yeah. people, like a couple of years no, ago, whatever, just be like, hey, like I know if you're just looking at our scores or you're hearing our end of year stuff and you're like, wow, like looking glass bad. And it's like, no, no, no. Looking, looking glass, glass good. good. 
Yeah. Looking glass good. But yeah, I think that wraps us up uh, this week. Uh, a, uh, You're right. A thrilling one-hit wonder a, episode. A thrilling in- episode indeed. And next week, things are going to get really heavy, is all I'm willing to admit at this time. That's fair. That's fair. Another one that uh, I know you personally are really excited really, for. Really looking forward to it. <laughs> Always a good time. Well, listen. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us again. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. And honestly, hopefully, you listen along. I, agree. I would love that. I think I think that's a one thing we don't talk about enough. Like it would we be talk lovely. about these albums, and even a little bit just to get the uh, right. get the picture. Yeah, listen to a couple. You know, get the vibe that we're talking about. If you if if something piques your interest, go listen to it. You know, yeah. like and then engage with it. Like you know, comment somewhere, anywhere about it. Anywhere, anything. any literally anywhere, any post in the world, just exist. Yeah, just like do be the town crier and shout it from the rooftops what you thought of one of the songs that we talked about on this podcast. I love. I it. think that's the that's the basic thing that you should be doing. Uh, and maybe we'll hear you. Uh, but most importantly, while we're hearing you as the town crier, I hope you're having a great day.